This is episode 45 of the Rising Man podcast with Kevin Rose. A storm is coming. What is up, my Rising Man community? Welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. Jetty Azuma here, your host and creator of this show, live from Australia. Yes, I'm still out here in the wonderful land of Oz, feeling so good, so refreshed, so revitalizing to be in a new place with my family and enjoying some wonderful, wonderful folks out here. If you guys out there have not been to Australia, it is an incredible place to be. We've been in Brisbane for the past few days and into the Gold Coast. It's an incredible, incredible area of the world. So I invite all of you guys to come down here, check it out. Oh man, lately I've really been feeling the wave of masculinity resurfacing. I can see how many more, just just from the men who have been showing up to be interviewed on the podcast here, the men who are perpetuating this message and having these conversations in their own way. I'm just so inspired by this dialogue of masculinity and also at the same time so fascinated by the width and breadth of this conversation when we talk about masculinity. It's perhaps one of the greatest marks of our generation is having men reawaken the masculine power and rediscover what masculinity is and separating masculinity from the conversation of what it means to be a man, or at least not associating the two without consideration to the balance of masculine and feminine that exists in each one of us. A very fascinating conversation. And I have a tremendous guest on the show today, ready to discuss all things relating to masculinity and what it means to be a man. So before we get into that, this resurfacing of masculinity is the reason why I've created the Elements Men's Initiation Weekend. You guys have heard me talk about it here before if you've been listening to the Rising Man podcast, but we have our second Elements Initiation Weekend coming up January 18th through 20th here in Ojai, California. Space is limited, so make sure you go over to rise.jettyazuma.com slash elements to sign up for your seat today. I'm telling you guys, the first Elements crew was incredible. It was an, an unbelievably transformative weekend for all of us involved, including myself. And I'm looking forward to the second crew heading out there into the wilderness together, a band of brothers circling up around the fire, doing the work we gotta do to be the man that we wanna be. So rise.jettyzuma.com slash elements, go check it out. All right, getting into my guest for today's interview. Mr. Kevin Oros is a revolutionary coach, freestyle MC, and speaker. He's a co-founder of Mystic Misfit, which is a lifestyle brand building conscious community through connection, purpose, and freedom, leading creatives and revolutionaries in experiential events. Kevin coaches clients in the weaponization and actualization of their intuition. I love that. And he is a leader and pioneer in the conversation of masculinity and where it is heading. So you guys can see why I brought this man on the show today. I'm so grateful that he decided to step in and have this conversation with me. On this episode, we talked about defining initiation for boys becoming men, getting clarity on what is an initiation and also what a failed initiate looks like, acts like, and the impact that these failed initiates have on our communities at large. We talked about the masculine revolution. What is it? And is it already happening? Like right now? underneath our noses. Are we already in the midst of this masculine revolution? I believe we are, but let's hear what Kevin has to say about it. We also talked about the importance of healing male-to-male relationships, uh, not just man-to-man, but father-to-son, etc., etc. And we spoke about how to start your own men's circle. We've spoken a lot about men's circles, men's groups, men's communities on this show. And one of the things I always hear from men is, ah, I wish I had one nearby. And so we talked about how to start your very own, the key steps and the importance of confidentiality in these communities. Lastly, we talked about fathering young men, even if you're not a father yet, how to hold this context of fathering in every relationship with a man you have in your life. So a power packed episode we have for you guys today. Without further ado, I introduce to you, Kevin Arose.
All right, Rising Man family, I've got my new brother, Kevin Oroz, in the building, live from Encinitas. Good to see you today, bro. Yeah, good to see you, Jetty. It's an honor to be here, man. Glad to be invited. <laughs> it's the collision of awesomely unique hairstyles happening right now. You guys can't see us, but <laughs> there's some awesome hair happening on both sides of the screen right now. <laughs> yes, yes. Hair game, recognize hair game, as they say. Yes, sir. Real, recognize real. Uh Yes. So but before we even hit record on this interview, we were already starting to jam on some great stuff today. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about masculine archetypes, a little bit about why it's so important to get men together face to face, not just behind a screen and whatever other type of brilliant wisdom we can extract from Kevin today. But let me ask you a question that I've been asking everybody on my show. And that is, what is the difference between a boy and a man? It's an excellent question. Immediate gut response is a boy is just an uninitiated man. And what I mean by that is, you know, all, all ancient cultures, all traditions, no matter where you look on the planet, had very real rites of passage and initiation for both men and women for very good reasons. I think most boys, when they become too much for their mothers to handle, right, and, they're, and, the, and the feminine, they have to be initiated into the hunter's circle or into the, you know, the masculine brotherhood, whatever that looks like. And so I think we have a lot of boys running around the world in man suits in the modern day, because I think some of these rites of passage have been lost. Mm. This brother speaking my language already. <laughs> Let me, I talk about initiation rites of passage work on this podcast and all of the platforms a lot, but I'd love to hear your definition of what initiation is and what it means to be an initiated man. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big student of Robert Moore, who wrote the book, you know, The Archetype of Initiation. And I think his, his take on it is like for the Western mind, and it's like spot on. And it's essentially a, a death and rebirth of an old mode of being. So the, the juvenile adolescent mode of being, being somewhat of a taker, being supported, being a little codependent with the tribe and with nature. And then an initiated man goes through some kind of ordeal. Usually it involves deep psychological and often physical stress to help him die to this old self and initiate a new self, which is the adult, fully masculine body personality that actually can be a guardian protector of the tribe. And so once, once he's faced that, he can actually walk in a good way and provide for the women, provide for the children, provide for the elderly, and also take his place with the other men in the culture. Mm -hmm. So is, is this also rolled into the conversation of higher purpose and meaning to one's life, one's path, one's true north, so to speak? Totally, totally. That's a big part of it is like the initiated man, you know, has his north star. So he knows what he's best at. He knows what his contribution is and he's in touch with that. And that's, I think that's why a lot of the traditions, especially the Native Americans, you know, we do the vision quest and isolation in nature because there's a conversation that happens between the individual and the transcendent spirit, whatever you want to name it, that is personal to him because he has a personal DNA and blueprint that needs, that the world needs and the culture needs. And so the initiation, I think, yeah, is definitely about that big purpose. Mm -hmm. And just so I know where you're coming from, and so the audience does as well, what, what type of initiatory rights have you experienced, if you're comfortable speaking about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I've, I feel like I've been through many, many at this point, just different gradations. I'd say some of my first initiations were in the wilderness. I was a Boy Scout. I'm an Eagle Scout. I grew up growing up in Texas. So I did a lot of wilderness survival work, you know, two to three days at a time alone, just with my tent, my knife, and some rations. And that was, that was my first experience where I really felt, you know, afraid and in the initiatory state. I would say that's between 16 and 18. But since then, you know, man, I've been through several initiations. Yoga teacher training in the Iyengar tradition, that was pretty brutal. I did that in India. And just the level of meditation and, you know, yogic practice and breath work, I'd never experienced that. So that definitely, like, that changed me on a deep level. I've also been doing work with Elliot Hulse in the bioenergetic mm. tradition and the Osho active meditation tradition. So I've been through now three different seven-day immersions where from dawn till dusk, you know, deep primal catharsis, breath work, and these active meditations, which are physically just like exhausting. Like, and so that, that, I would definitely count that. And then I've also done work with the plants. So, mm -hmm. you know, psilocybin, ayahuasca, 
sat in deep ceremony with both of those plant teachers. And I would say those were deep spiritual and psychological initiations that have shaped me. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I, I can I can totally relate to what you're saying. I'm glad that you mentioned things aside from just the archetypal ceremony going out fasting for four days, because that's the initiation that I love, that I love to introduce and provide for other men and other people out there. And there's many different ways of looking at initiation. Right. Uh, for me, I've come to see that there's that element of discomfort, the ordeal, as you spoke about. Um, and having to continue to say yes and to choose your commitment, whatever that was, you know, commitment to fast for four days or commitment to complete this yoga training or commitment to complete this seven-day immersive workshop, whatever that is, to have to say yes over and over and over again when, every, when everything about you wants to say no, right. wants to quit. I think that's that's a nice general signature of an initiatory experience because there's other types of initiations that we could talk about that I, I don't believe are very helpful to society, like gang initiations, for example, right. jumping someone in. There's, a, there's always a process. There's always an ordeal of a hardship that needs to be overcome to prove one's merit and to right. see what you're really made of. So, um, so I'm glad that you spoke about a, an array of different types of initiation and, and to see that it can be done a lot of different styles. Right, right. I, I think, yeah, you're, you spoke to something powerful there. I think in the culture we have now in the West, there's many initiations for men and boys or boys rather that are not beneficial and actually are anti-life is how I name them. They're part of the anti-life you know, force. And I think fraternities and you know, many of the binge drinking, the gang and the, you know, the violent initiations, these are, they still have an effect, right? Because they, they, they have some of the same qualities as an ordeal. However, what they initiate one into and the method is distinctly maladaptive. And I think that's where a lot of men are still seeking initiation. You know, Carl Jung and Robert Moore talk a lot about failed initiates, and failed initiates walking around as CEOs, as husbands, as fathers. And it's almost more dangerous to have done a failed initiation than to never have done one at all. Because now you're under this idea that you have been initiated and younger men in your social sphere now will pick up that energy. And so I think the return of the rite of passage into American culture specifically, because we're on the world stage, is so important in the next 50 years, in the next, you know, seven generations to take it all the way out, to kind of flip this, this crisis in masculinity that we're seeing. Mm. Tell me what a failed initiate looks like, because that's, that's a great concept. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a failed initiate is someone who's taken on the persona and the, and the cowl of, you know, I'm an adult in society. I'm a, I'm a father, husband, you know, I'm an I'm a industry leader if you're in business or you're a religious leader or you're a community leader, et cetera. However, deep inside, they know they weren't initiated because they didn't get in touch with what we were speaking about, the deep purpose, the deep life-giving energy of what you're saying, like choosing yes, yes, yes in the face of physical challenge, extreme physical and psychological challenge. And often what you see, as you mentioned in the gang initiations, and I, I've studied a bit of the fraternity culture and had some brothers come out of fraternities and you know, pick their brains on it. And like, there's an element of coercion and trauma that comes in that isn't resolved. And so these are failed initiates walking around the world as men acting like they, you know, seemingly on their outward armoring, they seem like they're initiated, but inside there's actually a deep longing for healing and wholeness because something didn't happen. Now the, the bad news is that these men often, you know, project trauma and, and can perpetuate it often subconsciously. The good news is that it's still possible to be fully initiated at any age. Mm, right. That's the silver lining there. Is It's important to recognize that one hasn't been initiated, though, right. and to accept that without shame. Because it's easy to be, there's plenty of 30, 40, 50-year-old guys I know who, when they get truthful with themselves, say, wow, I was never initiated. And what does that mean? And we, and we make this mean, you, I never really became a man. I, I have, I've, I've been wasting the past 20, 30 years of my adulthood. And you know, we know that's a waste of time. And it's also important to acknowledge the, the, the weight of that, yeah. to have lived all those years without being on purpose, without feeling connected to a higher purpose. So it's, a, it's big work you're talking about, man. I'm glad that you speak of this as the work of this generation 
really in restoring these rites of passage is, in my opinion, I think we're both in alignment with this. If you're going to the top of the problem, <laughs> initiating men in, properly into their higher purpose is the way to alleviate a lot of these social evils that we're that we're dealing with that we haven't seemed to resolve up till now. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And this is this is a insanely powerful perspective that my brother Javon Langford. I'm sure you know him. Mm-hmm. He speaks a lot about, and that's like if you look at the world, all the socioeconomic, cultural, religious problems, the big like things that we're looking at in the news and we're like, oh, that that doesn't feel good or like this is dark. They're largely because of dysfunctional men. And I I think some people aren't prepared to hear that and really feel it because it seems like, oh, you know, we're all kind of part of the problem. But no, the 99% of all CEOs are men. 100% of most religious leaders are men. Political leaders, 95% are men. And, you know, in the hierarchical structure we have, it's this trickle down effect. So can you imagine what would it be like if the CEO of Walmart was an initiated man that would reflect and ripple mm-hmm. through the organization? Maybe there would be more sustainable, positive principles implemented in that business instead of what we have mm-hmm. seen, which is a lot of greed and a lot of trauma, unfortunately. And so, you know, it's really fascinating to keep name dropping here. I, I just am <laughs> fascinated by these thinkers. Esther Perel, who's, a, who's an amazing relationship therapist, I think one of the leading thinkers on relationships in a current age, she predicted that the next 50 years will be the most powerful time for male initiation in men's work because the feminist revolution and the, and the, you know, the empowerment of women has been really picking up since the fifties and sixties, which when we had the, you know, that rupture of, of culture, but the men's movement never took off like the women's did. You had the mythopoetic movement, you had, you know, Iron John, you have these people, the Mankind Project, there's, there's many good people out there doing the work. However, it hasn't taken on in mainstream culture. And you'll mm-hmm. notice this when you start talking about healthy masculinity in these things. There's two responses I've encountered. One is vehement and toxic backlash, like this defending yep. of the old masculine, he-man, emotionally shut down figure. And they're just saying like, you mm-hmm. know, like shaming, calling you a pussy, calling you a faggot, all these like really intense energies. That's one side. And the other side is like a kind of like passivity. Like, is it really important? Like we have, we have the military, we have fraternities, you know, we have, we have business school, we have plenty of initiatives. Like, it's like people don't seem to understand. And I think every day we're going to understand more. I think the, the gift of Donald Trump is he's shown us a blatant example of what this this masculine archetype from the old paradigm looks like and it, no one seems mm-hmm. to really enjoy it right yeah even be even people who have supported that before it's 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 great you know the blessing of that is it really is not fully on display and that it's also exposing masculine leadership in general which has t- you know it's it's caused it's created this environment where men are also taking a lot of heat you know men in general are taking the heat for generations of how how men have been showing up and i've I've spoken about this a lot that everybody gets to accept responsibility for the state of how men are showing up right now every single one of us whether you're a man woman child elder younger we all get to accept responsibility of that especially if we're men because that means we're the problem we're also the solution but you know i see women are you know want to name the problem and not be a part of it is what I see. And that, that's an edgy conversation to have, but women are raising the men too. And we're, and women are always reminding us how they want to be treated all the time. Right. Just like, just like we're all putting that off as humans. So, so what are your thoughts on that, man? Like when you look at this as like a, when you see what's, what's coming, what we're in right now, and we look forward until let's say the next 50 years, like Esther Perel said, what, what do you see happening for men and masculine leadership? Yeah, so fa- it's so fascinating. This is what I've been steeped in all year. And I, I just love, I love this topic. I read something really interesting yesterday. Pretty big female influencer was talking about Me Too. And so Me Too is like, you know, this massive rupture of the feminine and all this trauma and resentment that, you know, it's coming out, it gets to be healed. It really gets to be healed because there's a lot there, obviously, like as you spoke to, generations of this. And what she was making the point though, she's like, for the Me Too movement to continue and to have effect, women are going to have to come face to face with toxic femininity, femininity, right? And how they've Mm -hmm. been complicit in this as well. Now, obviously Mm -hmm. you wouldn't tell this to a, a victim of, you know, sexual trauma or like rape, you know, but 
there is a way in that the, the females also are participating in the poor masculine culture. And so what I really see is, is two things, you know, well, I guess three, three, we'll do, we'll use the magic number three <laughs> as, as I have, I'm sure you've been in the, the new age or the more conscious community for some time and, you know, women's circles and red tent and moon circles. These things have been happening more and more and more. It's really been building up. So that, I think that will need to continue, but it'll need to become more grounded. So mm-hmm. I think women get to go a little deeper and realize the ways that they've, as you said, raised the men and sent signals to invite in and just allow toxic and the dark masculine that's not integrated or initiated to run rampant. And that's going to be painful and that'll take some time. So that's one. I think the next thing is that men have to gather just as men. So men's circles, you know, you hear about them, but they're not as prevalent as you would think. And I know just because I just started leading my own this year and it's like all the brothers I talk to are just like, oh my God, I wish I had this. Like, where are the other ones? Like, I have to start my own. Like the need and, and desire and demand for men to gather with men has never been higher. And I think that we're going to have to really double down as men and go all in on that and like be vulnerable with each other and still be warriors and like circle up. And we have to like get, we have to get really dialed in with that. So those are the two sides. And then the third thing that's going to have to happen more and more is the level of communication and relating especially an intimate relationship, but just in general, in the workplace, on the religious front, on the political front, men and women are, are being called into a whole new way of relating to each other. The old ways of projection and you did this and like, this is what a man is, this is what a woman is. All those things are dissolving right now. Like that mm-hmm. paradigm is quickly dismantling. And so the early adopters that really go all in on things like nonviolent communication, on authentic relating, on circling, on deep embodied emotional work, emotional intelligence, um, even sacred sexuality and sensuality, things like this are going to become more and more and more, not only necessary, but the leading edge of, of the culture of marriage and the culture of dating, because this will perpetuate another generation, two, three, if we don't stop it now. Like we're in a very unique time where we can stop the buck. The buck stops here. We don't have to pass on the trauma. Right now, we can teach children, especially young men, how to relate to the feminine, how to relate to other men, how to relate to leadership. And I think that, that is very exciting. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here on this planet, and that's part of my mission is to help usher this in, mm. the return of the father archetype. The, the wise king, the wise father, not the tyrants and the, the predators that we're now seeing being exposed at leadership. Mm. I love that, man. Yeah, it's like a, it's like the, the wolves wrapped in sheep's clothing, you know, are starting to be exposed. And, um, and it's because that men like yourself, like other men that we know in our community, in our circles, are stepping forward and claiming a different way of being in, in that king in that, in that yeah. warrior and all the different ways that we can show up as men. And something you said about the, the need for men to gather up and, and to circle up. And you said, you mentioned that you just started leading and facilitating your own circle this year. I want to tap into a little bit of that because I've been, I organically started circling it up with my closest brothers back in college. I think we were 21, maybe 22 years old. We had no idea what we were doing. We hung out all the time anyway, but one night was a little different. And we just said, Let's talk about like what's really going on. I don't even remember who said it, but someone said, let's talk about what's really going on. Yeah. We're like, what? Whoa. Like behind the, like when you take the screen away, what's really happening, you know, between the ears. And that was the first time I experienced that. I realized how unique that is. And then I also had the great fortune of being welcomed onto a men's team when I first moved out to California from the East Coast six years ago, six and a half years ago. And so I've been sitting with those men every two weeks for the past six and a half years. And I know that that is not the norm. Right. Period. You know, that's not what most men have out there. And it's as simple as it is a massive challenging undertaking to, to, to create that space and to be able to preserve and, and, and perpetuate that container. So I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on how you started your circle and what are some of the principles you have about the circle that obviously maintaining confidentiality for your space because I know there's other men out there who will hear this say, hey, I don't have a circle. I don't have a space. How do I start one? Or how can I begin to create one? Right. I've had guys asking me, how do I do this? I live, you know, 10,000 miles away from you. What, what can I do? 
So let's jam on that a little bit and see what comes forward. Yeah, great. That's great, man. And I love what you said. Like the same thing happened to me. Like it just kind of happened organically and we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. This this happened for me in like high school, college too. Just like getting the brothers together, you know, instead of just playing cards or shooting the shit like we would or play video games. It's like, no, let's talk about the realness. Like, man, the magic there. Yeah, for me this year, it was it was a number of factors. So I'm part of a brand, Mystic Misfit, with my two business partners. We got like a trio of brotherhood and like we're, we are super solid. So we already had the culture inside of us, the three of us, because we were, we were dedicated from the beginning to radically expressing and being honest with each other and checking each other, right? We're not calling each other out. We're calling each other up and in. So it's like, hey, man, I, I see you out of integrity and I want, I want to reflect that to you immediately because I want to see you as the king. And it's like, man, that, that is so uncomfortable. And I think in a lot of masculine culture, that's how a fight breaks out or that's how people burn bridges. But if you're coming from love, but you still have your sharpness, you know, iron sharpens iron. That's, that's how it started for me. It was, I was blessed with my two brothers, business partners. They're actual brothers. I'm like the spiritual brother. And so we had that culture within us and we've been leading a lot of retreats for the past three years. So organically at a one retreat, it was actually last year, but we did it multiple this year, like Saturday night, night two, we're like, you know what? We talked to one of the most powerful sisters. How do you feel about circling up with the women? We're going to take the men out to the fire. And we just, we just let them in circle. And it's like, okay. And we're used to leading like co-ed circles. So some of the core seeds, the seed crystals that really create the circle is just like, straight up, like setting the container. So getting containment, as you said, it's confidential. It's sealed off. It's just the boys, just the men. You got to get the containment and then you got to have agreements. So once you're contained, you know, whoever is taking the role of leader or facilitator, not that they're above, you know, that's, that's a big part is like, we're all equal here, but someone takes the the staff or the talking stick and facilitates and you got to establish some basic agreements, like not cutting each other off, you know, Asking if the other brother is complete before you just go in on him, you know, owning your stuff, being responsible, speaking in I statements, limiting the projections. And so once you have those agreements set up, then you can just kind of go around the horn and get everybody to put their, their speech, their expression in. And usually from there, the, the energy that wants to live through the circle will emerge. Either a brother's got mm-hmm. something really heavy that he needs to release and so he can be in that space and be held. Or another great pattern I love is clearing. So there might be two brothers in the circle that actually have beef and there's some energetic and it has not been mm-hmm. resolved. And so you get to resolve that in the circle with everyone witnessing, which I mean, I'm getting spirit bumps right now. Those have been some of the most powerful moments I've ever witnessed is two, mm-hmm. two brothers coming to each other with respect, but with charge and then holding that space. And even the, the other men watching that will be transformed. Because this, this is a whole new way to do mediation and conflict resolution. And, you know, we have that primal violent energy, which is, which is healthy. It's healthy for men to have that. And there are ways to discharge that and move it without the need for physical conflict, without the need for psychological deception. And so that, that's how it started. And then, you know, after that, we realized, man, we, we can't always be in person. So we started an online men's circle where we meet on Zoom, we run it the same way. And we'd have like, you know, in between our, our weekly meetings, we have like commitments we made to each other that we hold each other accountable to. It's like, yo, you know, you, are you going to commit to doing this in your career? You're going to commit to this in your relationship. And the whole tribe holds you to that through the week. And like what you saw is like, man, men leaving their partners, they just were not serving them. Men quitting jobs, men starting creative projects, doing healing with their parents with their relatives, just really potent stuff comes out. And it's, it's medicine, really. And I, I would say anyone listening to this, like, it is not complicated. If you have the courage mm-hmm. enough to be like, I want to start a men's circle, even if it's three, three men, five men, like, call your, your group of men together instead of, you know, drinking some beer and watching the game or, or doing what you always do, sit in a circle, have a talking stick, and just set basic agreements have a conversation to start and let everybody express and you'll be really surprised what comes out of that. So you'll start an upward spiral as you know, Jetty, because mm. you know, this is what happens when you commit to it and do the work and consistently do it. Right. That, that's the thing I would say first and foremost for anyone who's not familiar with this. If you've never done this before or you have never facilitated one before, trusting in the magic of the men. 
that's one thing I've learned to do is to trust in the magic of the men. I, I've seen complete and total strangers get together and within 10 minutes are dropped into things they've never shared with anybody before. It's so natural and instinctual. It's in our DNA. I think it's somewhere embedded in the Y chromosome. I don't know <laughs> genetics enough, but I think it's in there yeah. that when we circle up around a fire, when we look each other in the eyes and we feel safe and we establish confidentiality and there's a baseline foundation of trust, which men are able to establish very quickly. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, regardless of where you come from, every man knows what it means to this stays here. Absolutely stays here. It's incredible to see what comes forward. And so it's, you don't have to be some master facilitator. You don't have to sit in a hundred circles. You don't have to do 200 hours of training before you can facilitate your own men's circle. Call the men up tonight, light a fire yes. or, 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 you know, or, or get a, a picture of a fire on your laptop and put it in between you guys and just start jamming. But the, the, the basic foundation you laid out there, man, is, is brilliant because you have to have that confidentiality. That is, if nothing else, I believe that has to be there. Yeah, and then, this is really important. It's a really important thing that men feel held by men. And you spoke to it. It's about the trust. Because it, it's something I've realized leading men's circles and then co-ed circles and seeing like how they differ and how they are similar. There's certain things that men can only express with other men. Straight up. Yes. If there's even one female present, it will change the entire energy. And it works the same with women. And that makes sense, right? Logically. However, in culture, you don't see this that often. Which kiss mm -hmm. brothers, just sisters. And that's, that's really the magic that you spoke to. All men know what to do when you're in that space. Mm -hmm. It's in our DNA. It's tribal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. And, and, and basic agreements of how we're going to operate, you know, and, and, and bringing in that masculine energy of simplicity. Like, hey, one person's going to speak at a time. You know, if I'm holding the stick, I'm speaking and you're listening. If he's holding the stick, he's speaking and we're listening. Everybody agree? Ho, oh, let's move on. What's the next um, thing, right? It's, it can be that fired and that's that simple because what you're really ultimately getting to is the purpose, the purpose for, for gathering there. And sometimes you don't really know what's going to happen. A lot of times, oftentimes in a good circle, you don't know what's going to come up because you don't know what's lurking beneath the surface. And until that container's created, until the agreements are made and a man can relax into himself and his mask can melt off, then you start to see what's actually present. But I think that a basic sense of purpose, like, hey, we're circling up here so that we can create a confidential space and see what wants to come through. Right. Something that it, can, it doesn't even have to be super specific, but knowing why we're gathering in the first place. Right. Or, hey, we're calling the circle tonight because Kevin just got, you know, he just got out of a long relationship and he's in the, he's in the tubes right now. He needs some support. Right. 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 Having that sense of, okay, this is why we're here. Let's focus in on this. Then we'll go wherever we need to go. That's the unknown. That's the mystery that I love about men's circles too. Yeah, that, that, is, that is the beauty of it. It's like having an orientation, you know, because the masculine is all about directionality and like we want to get to a destination, right? And that, that's, that's the mm -hmm. power of these circles is they unite the masculine and feminine sides within us as men. And you just spoke to it simplicity in a direction. So we have a mission. All right, we're here to support this brother or we're here to, you know, be vulnerable and uncover what's in the tribe. It's like, it's kind of big. And then when you have that orientation, suddenly, boom, people are going to start just popping the seal on what they've been keeping down. You know, as you said, I, I've been in many circles where, and, and the beautiful thing too, is having men of all ages. I think that's a big, you know, highlight of these i've been in circles with like a 16 year old and a 60 year old and like having that kind of energy with the elders and the, and the youth like man that, that there's real magic there and I've, I've seen multiple circles where the last guy you would have thought some man comes forward and he shares some heaviness that he's been carrying his entire life he's never told anyone not even his own wife or his own family and it's it's yeah. it, it's it's intense and it's an honor to be part of those circles because you can feel as you're speaking to the purpose of why men gather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. And it just made me think of something else that comes up a lot of times in these men's circles is it's almost like there's a conditioning within us where we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to speak. Like everybody gets an equal portion. It's some some conditioning around justice and equality that I believe is is related to public school. And, you know, participation trophies from a very feminine part of our culture. 
That's just my opinion. Right. And so to recognize that to, that a man could lower his mask and share a breakdown that he's been having that he hasn't told anyone before in his life, how every single man in that circle is going to get something just from that is always important to remember. You 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 may not even you may not be the one on the hot seat. You may not be the one asking the questions, but you definitely will get something from just being in that space and not feeling like everybody's got to have a chance to say what they say because that's not how it works. You could be in a circle of 25 guys. If you were going to have everybody speak and go deep, you'd be there for a week. Right. You know. That's a great so. point. And this this is part of the discernment that you start to develop when you sit in these circles and Something I wanted to speak to that came up when you're talking is like, man, the circle's potent. It's ancient technology. The circle mm-hmm. is ancient tech. It's how all of our ancestors sat in council and to, and to resolve problems, to plan, and to be seen. And so just circling in general is so powerful. And when it's only men, like you develop this like sixth sense and this discernment that you're speaking to. Am I, is it really my time to talk? Or am I talking from a place of just wanting to be seen? Because as you're saying, like just witnessing a brother go to the depths and go in it will transform you. Just that act of being in his presence and feeling that circle and holding space. Maybe you had something you wanted to express, but I've often been like, man, I I gotta get something off my chest. And then a brother steps forward and just drops a a heater. And you're just like, whoa. And by watching him and feeling him, really like being with him, looking in his eyes and like seeing him express, I'm purified. And actually it's like, oh, I wasn't meant to speak. My mind is just like, you know, it was, it was just kind of, it just needed to burn away a little bit. This guy just had a full on breakthrough. Mm, that's great, man. I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you shared that because I've been there too. I've been in that circle where it's, I start looking around, I'm like, not everybody's going to get a chance to, uh, a chance to, to share. And I have that sense of that old conditioning of equality, like, well, I want to make sure he gets to speak, but I got something to say. And like you said, sometimes it's that one powerful thing that someone else will share, just even just regardless of the content, just the man being seen like that is immensely, immensely powerful. And I've seen that change guys completely, you know, guys coming into a space in a circle for the first time, witnessing that can change everything for them. Like, oh man. I didn't know that this was available for me. I didn't know that I could be seen and supported in this way. And then it goes back to what we're talking about. We're talking about generational shifts. We're talking about, you know, forward generational shifts, cutting off legacy stuff that doesn't serve us moving forward, that doesn't perpetuate the masculinity that we want to take ownership of in our legacy. And that's a big deal. And that's exciting stuff. That's the type of stuff that gets me excited to talk with you. <laughs> that's it, man. Yeah, I, I, I love meeting other brothers doing the work and, and leading this work because it, it's, uh, it's new territory. I mean, it's ancient territory. This is what's funny, but it's new territory because, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't have role models doing this growing up. I don't think a lot of men did unless you were really blessed to be in some of those cultures and those pockets of culture. You know, we're, we're kind of learning how to do it all over again and it's all new and the good news though is it is in our dna so it's just a remembering it's a remembering what all our fathers and their grandfathers and their grandfathers were doing and Mm -hmm. now the the time has come in culture in the west the world stage right everybody's looking at the u.s everybody looking at hollywood and these these athletes and these actors and we're getting to do the work for the children it's for those generations that are going to look up and, and look for healthy kings to be like, oh, that's what a man is. It's not actually this image, this delusion that is being peddled over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's easy to go big on that too. It's easy to go big and, and recognize, you know, there's a lot of men who are in need of this. This is a, this is a big undertaking and there's no one man out there who's going to lead the charge. Right. We're all, that's why, that's why we're seeing more and more men step up in facilitating circles and retreats and expeditions because that's what's needed. And I also remember one of the best things in my life is my three-year-old son. Because I have the reminder that I could be projecting all of this work and this message and this vision out into the world. But if I'm not taking care of being the man I need to be so that he sees a powerful, embodied, masculine man every day, then I missed it. Then I missed it. You know, that that's the best opportunity I have right now is to give him for, you know, he's three years old. So I, maybe I've got between 13 and 16 more years of really influencing him and showing him that before he decides to go out into the world and become the man that he wants to be. Right. And 
You know, even if you're not a father to a son, or even if you're not a father at all by blood, you're there's little ones out there watching you right. all the time, watching how you move, especially with social media, watching what you say, how you carry yourself. Everything matters, and we have to remember that. It doesn't matter if you're if you have a podcast or if you're a social media personality. You're a man. And a, young, and a boy doesn't know the difference between what a man is and is not. Right. And he, so he looks around, he sees someone bigger than him. That's a man. What's he doing? Right. That's a big deal. We got to remember that. We all get to take that on. Yeah, that's a beautiful reminder, man. That's, that's so important to understand. Like, we're doing this for ourselves, like, to heal, to become whole, to get to purpose. But really, we're doing it for them. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I want to I envision a world and call in that paradigm and, like, my sons and their sons where they don't have to do the unlayering that I had to do. They don't have to do a lot of the reprogramming that I had to do because I inherited a toxic dead tradition and I had to burn that off first. I want them to, to spring up and be filled up with that life energy of a healthy man from the start. Mm-hmm. And like, man, what, what, what kind of, what kind of man will they become if they're offered that, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. One, one of my favorite one-liners, you know, the, the best, another thing about these men's circles is you get these one-liners that guys pull out <laughs> of the, the woodwork. So I'm just like, oh, it's so good. So I've got like a library of one-liners. One of my favorite ones is if you don't slay your dragons, then your son will have to. Ooh, yeah. And and that's, that's something we each can do in real time in this life or as long as we're here. We can confront our demons, call them to the surface, bring them to the circle, heal them in the space, take them to the mountain for four days, four nights by ourselves, whatever you need to do and slay those dragons. Otherwise, they're going to be passed along because we've all inherited dragons from yeah. our fathers, whether they wanted to pass them along or not, whether they even knew they had them or not. Right. And so, and, and also, again, whether you're an actual father or not, the son is just the man coming up behind you who's watching you, who's studying you and figuring out how to be a man in this world the same way that we are. Right, right. That's that's such a beautiful metaphor. Like <sighs> the sins of the father get passed on, whether he knows it or not. And so this is like, the, this is generational alchemy is what comes up for me. Like you get to stop and say no more, you know, no more. The line has been coming this way. And like, hey, it's got to stop here. So I'm, I'm going to hold the line. I'm going to hold the line and do the work, right? And mm-hmm. we're, we're in a, like, a, I think a, a quickening. Like you, you don't even have to get woo-woo with it. Like the world's changing faster than it ever has because of technology and because of globalization. We're all communicating now. So we can see, oh, look, this is all, this is all funked up and we have to fix this. And it's like really present. And as men, it's like, mm-hmm. man, we get to slay the dragons of our fathers and their fathers. We get to slay the dragons of the culture and the tradition. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that all these dragons are coming up, all the tools are back. All mm-hmm. the tools are back. We have the circle. We have men gathering. We have initiation ordeals, rites of passage. We have the plants and that pathway if you want it. You, we have the Eastern sciences coming back online, the meditation, the yoga the Taoist, like martial art traditions, all these things are, they're back online and fully available. So we have the tools to slay the dragons. So there's no excuse. You know, our fathers, mm-hmm. bless them, they may not have had the tools. And so not many of them were able to confront that. So they did their best and we thank them. But now we got the tools. We're the, we're the, we're the ones that we've been waiting for. Mm, mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm so glad you just said what you just said because it just it it made me remember something that I think I don't think I've ever spoken about on the podcast before, and that's how how easy it is to blame our fathers for what they pass along to us, right? And how easy it is to hate even our fathers and to resent them for what they pass along to us. And I think that that resentment towards our fathers is the action of a boy. That's a boy who hasn't really understood that he has his own fires to walk in his life. And, and some of those fires are the ones that his father wasn't able to put out by himself. Those dragons that his father wasn't able to slay, he took on. And to have compassion for our dads who were, like you said, doing the best that they could with what they had, not giving them a hall pass if your dad just completely, you know, escaped, you know, call, you know, having accountability as a man to that, but also recognizing that, hey, every man out there who's not showing up is the man that we think 
he can be mm. is in a lot of pain. Somewhere in his right. life, somewhere in his history, there's a lot of pain there. So there's a real, real important sense of compassion that we get to embody and, and embrace as men. Otherwise, we're just perpetuating the same thing. We're passing around blame. Yeah, we're just like, we're just moving pieces around if we don't, right? Yep. It's, it, we can yeah. sweep the game board. We don't have to keep playing the same game of uh, bypassing. That's what was coming up as you were speaking. You know, a, lo- a lot of men, because of very real, you know, scarcity and trauma, you know, like my parents were baby boomers and their parents lived through the world wars. So it's like back then, you know, you, you may not have had the resources or the time and attention to sit there and slay the dragons and be in that space of accountability and wholeness and integration because there's the world is on fire. So they had to, they had to go out and, and do their thing. And that often created a lot more dragons. So mm-hmm. yeah, this, this is a big key is like and a key of initiation that you're speaking to is like not blaming. Even if you were dealt a very poor hand, you know, and my heart goes out to all the brothers that didn't have a father or had an abusive father, you know, or, you know, or whatever that looked like addiction, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is something to speak to. That's a, a bit of the shadow. That's really important. And Robert Moore goes deep into this. When a man isn't initiated and he's under a lot of pain, he goes into usually acting it out on those that he loves addiction, depression, and suicide. These are the ways that the anger and the shame and these low vibrational emotions they have to move. So if they move outside, it becomes violence, becomes addiction. If they move inside, it becomes depression and it becomes that mm-hmm. darkness. And so a lot of men carry that and carried that in the past. So as a, as a new son of this new age, this new dawn, it's like, you don't have to, like you said, give them a hall pass. There's still some accountability and clearing that can occur. And if you're still blaming that, if you're looking over your shoulder and blaming them, you're, you're going to miss the, the sunrise in front of you. A full responsibility, full power, like kingship, because the light is 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times more powerful than the shadow. So if you focus on building your light and standing in it, the shadows will flee on their own. You don't need to focus on them or blame them. And that, that's a big key that, you know, I've, I've done a lot of healing with my father as well, you know, around that because... He was there, but he wasn't there. You know, he didn't, he didn't take me through these rites of passage and teach me a lot of this stuff. I had to learn on my own through a lot of pain and trial and error. And there was a resentment in the past where I was like, you know, I, I, all I wanted was that relationship. And then now, you know, owning my own power and seeing ways that I can, I can send some of that back to him and be like, hey, you know, you know those dragons you gave me? I got them. I got, the, I got the, I got the blade of truth. I got the tools now. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, I got the sword of justice and I'm taking those dragons down. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And, and it's cool to be a dad. Are you, are you a father? I'm not. Yeah. I plan to be. Not plan to be. Okay, cool. Uh, well, what I can say from a father's perspective is I want nothing more than for my son to go to reach higher than I ever will be able to. I mean that genuinely from the bottom of my heart. I don't know if that's the same for every single father. I think, the, the fathers who are really in their embodied masculine, we know what our purpose is in this world. That's what we want for our kids. And so um, I know that there will be things that I, as hard as I work, there will be things I pass on to that boy. And, uh, and, uh, and to see him succeed and to conquer those things will be the greatest joy and the greatest pride I could have as a father. So I know there's a, that's a whole nother topic. We'll have to do that another day, man. It's like daddy issues and like, you know, looking for validation from our fathers. Right. Um, but from a son's perspective, the best thing you can do to honor your father is to slay the dragons that he couldn't get to himself. That's that's it, man. That's it. Real, real talk. I think any, (laughs) any parent that's really solid and, and gets it right. The game of life, you want your children to surpass you. That, That is, that is really the goal. And that's, that's evolution speaking. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Well, before we start to wrap up here, I do want to make sure I get your perspective on why it's so critical for men to actually meet in the flesh. I know you said that you've, in some cases, it's just not possible right. and we do the best we can. And then, so, you know, in, in a lot of the work that I do with Man Cave and with the Rising Man Fire Circles, we meet on Zoom. We do these interviews on Zoom because, hey, I can't just cruise down to Encinitas today to hang out with you as much as I'd right. love to. It would be dope. Um, <laughs> so, so what about though, the importance of making the effort? Uh, even if it's not everywhere in your life, but somewhere in your life to meet with men in physical proximity. Yeah, there's, there's, the physical is, is key. 
and the the work I do online and all the, the content I create and what I facilitate online, the end goal is to come in person. You know, like we can use these screens, which are amazing, as a portal into reality, like where we actually want to sit together around a fire, have eye contact. And I think the most important thing when it comes up for physical, and this was this was pretty like revolutionary for me to start to see the research is around masculine touch. There's something very strange about the homophobic culture that you see in the West where you don't see so much in the Latin countries or in the Arabic countries where men aren't afraid to touch other men. And so mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, a, there's a type of energy you get from, from non-sexual, non-sensual touch with other men, whether that's wrestling and combat. You know, I think that's a very powerful perspective. Also, just like a hug, a tender embrace from a man, a solid embrace, you know, just touching a man's arm, touching his shoulder. This is so important. This is so important. So that, that's a big aspect. The eye contact is huge. Being able to hold a man's gaze and stand in your power will, will transform you. If any men listening to this have never experienced that, that, that is a fire you get to walk through. It's beautiful. And also, I would say, you know, sound and voice together. There's a different energy that appears when you chant, when you do your war cry, when you sing, when you pray together, whatever that means to you with other men in person, whole different kind of energy. It's 11-11 on November 1st. Look at that. Oh. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I mean, it's stuff like going up. <laughs> all the stuff we do online is just practice for in person. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I look forward to the, you know, the first like all men's retreats that I'm a part of facilitating and, and calling that in. And, you know, I think next year is the year I have some, have some tentative plans in February right now. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I'm being called into. Like I want to get with the brothers. I want to go deep. Like we're going to, we're going to slay some dragons. We're going to pick up those weapons that maybe you forgot about. We're going to dust them off and we're going to have a lot of fun. Like I, I want to get in the ring with some guys and like, you know, fun to fun, do a little combat. I want to, I want to sing. I want to drum circle. I want to drink cacao. I want to dance. Like these are, these are the things that like really bring a a community together and a tribe and men can do it. Like we've been doing it for millennia. We've been doing it for a long time. And so the in-person is where the gold is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. (laughs) I like that you say that. Yeah. That we're, I like to think of it as we're not really as far from the bullseye as we think we are. Right. You know, we're, it's like when you're hiking sometimes, you know, you you follow a game trail off and before you know it, you're in a massive bushel of poison oak <laughs> and you're like, oh, where the hell am I? I got twisted around. But, you know, we're not that far off from the path. And, you know, we go back a few generations, you know, a few centuries even, and all of this was just common practice. It just gets lost so quickly. And there are certain agendas that are driven towards not having yes. men in their power. And that's just the way it is. So without dramatizing it, we just get to redefine that. Right. We get to remix that culture and make it something we're proud of to pass on to our kids yes. at the end of the day. So That's it, man. Awesome, brother. Boom. Wow. Good. Real heat. Real fire, man. You ready for another hour? <laughs> yeah, we can just, just go. We're just popping the seal off at that point. <laughs> I know. I know. And that's another thing. I, the last thing I'll say about men gathering together is oftentimes there's this inclination to try to fix a man as though we can see what he's missing. We can see his misstep. Maybe we've it's because we've done it before or we've seen another man go through the same thing over and over again. And we try to lead him towards a, re- a resolution in that moment because we care for that man. And to me, that's bullshit because no man is broken. So we there's no reason why we need to fix him. We don't, we don't need to come to resolution right now. Simply being in the conversation is medicine enough. Yes. Yeah. And so we're inherently I'll let that. like that. That's a beautiful perspective. Like the healing loops, the victim mindset, we get to leave all that in the fire. Men are whole, your own healer. And this work is just helping you remember, remember who you are. And also, you know, your members, your limbs, Put them back together into a whole being. That's what remembering is. Hmm. Nice. Nice touch. I like that. I like that, man. Yes. So let's that let's let that be the lesson that, hey, we can let this conversation complete and we'll pick it up another time in the future. I do have a couple of quick lightning questions I want to ask you before we get to hear all the amazing stuff you're up to and guys know where to follow you. Sound good? For sure. All right. 
lightning style. Here we go. What is one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you were 18? <sighs> that I, I should have, I got, I, I could have gotten into like business for myself way sooner. Entrepreneurship. I wish I studied it in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish they taught, I wish they taught that. They kind of do. They kind of teach it in, in like grammar school, right. you know, to be industrious and then they lose that. They say, no, nah, we want worker bees. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Uh, right on. And then what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Integrity, being impeccable with your word, being integrous with your mind, body, spirit, with yourself when you're alone and then out there in the world with your women, with your children, with your community. Mm -hmm. And do you draw a distinction between impeccability, integrity, and perfection? Yeah. I mean, perfection, obviously it's an ideal. No one's perfect. We're all human beings on this planet. And there's a lot of imperfection, which makes it beautiful. And yeah, I think being impeccable is like doing your best, knowing that sometimes you will still fail. And that, that's kind of where like integrity comes in. It's like integrity is holding the line for your best always. I don't think anyone's mm, impeccable. I like that. Like where we all are going to have mess ups. I like that definition of integrity, man. Holding the line for your best always. Yes. Awesome. Cool. And lastly, before we wrap up, man, where can people find you, follow you, get invited to one of your circles? What's the, give us all the details. All yeah. The yeah. So, I mean, right now I'm, I'm doing a lot of like one-on-one work. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Kevin Oroslan. I'm, I'm rebranding a lot right now. I'm launching my own podcast. So there's a lot in kind of upheaval, but divinemasculine.live is my website. I just kind of like is the home base right now. And I also work with Mystic Misfit. So mysticmisfit.com. We do an online men's circle. And yeah, coming up, there's a lot of exciting stuff. You know, Costa Rica in the spring. I'm part of a mastermind there called Freedom Culture that partners with Envision Festival. And there's definitely going to be some men's circle type work, breakouts there, cacao ceremony, things like that. So that's, that's really exciting. And then the most present thing is um, I'm actually facilitating with my soul sister, Sydney Campos, a four-week program all about transmuting sex, money, and power and taking off the taboos from that and, and bringing in the activation and the sovereignty in those areas, those lower you know, centers in the body. So that's, that's really exciting. That actually is launching this week. So you can find that on yeah. my social. Right on. I love Sydney. I didn't know you were working with her. Make sure you give her a big hug from oh, the yeah, for sure. Soul try. <laughs> Awesome, brother. Well, until next time, man, it's, it's been great. I, I look forward to having more and more conversations with you and getting out into the bush with you too. Oh yeah, dude. I can't wait to be around my first fire with you, man. I'm looking forward to it. Such an honor. Yeah. Appreciate you inviting me on here, brother. Likewise, man. Always a pleasure. Take care. Ciao. What I love talking about the most with Kevin was how to start your very own men's circle because it can be so simple. Circle up your men, light a fire. If you don't have a fire, don't worry about the fire, but circle up your men, literally in a circle, establish confidentiality, and lead with vulnerability. That is literally all it takes. And having some sort of central commitment around how often you will meet and agreements around how you want to meet and what you want to get out of that time together. That is all it takes. And if we can start to pop up more of these men's circles in communities all over the world, I know that this wave of masculinity, this wave of men waking up and becoming the men that they've always wanted to be is going to turn into a tsunami before we know it. So all of you men out there, listen to this episode again and write down the notes on how to start your very own men's circle. And if you don't have a men's circle to join, create one today. And if you need support with that, reach out to me because I'm happy to help you get yours started. And if you would like to experience a men's circle for yourself for the very first time and perhaps even create an ongoing men's circle coming out of the Elements Weekend, I invite you to sign up. Head over to rise.jettyzuma.com elements. Guaranteed to have a brotherhood for life with the men that you're going to spend this weekend with. And that is going to be January 18th to the 20th coming up in 2019, right after the new year. So make sure you reserve your seat today. Also, make sure you join the Rising Man Facebook community at facebook.com slash groups slash the rising man. Check out show notes for links and resources pertaining to this episode at the rising man podcast.com. While you're at it, make sure you subscribe and follow 
the rising man podcast on the podcast app of your choice and leave us reviews comments feedback on how we're doing with your biggest takeaways insights and what you get from each and every episode we really love to hear what you guys have to say so please 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 leave us some review leave us some feedback and keep following us so that you get updates every time an episode drops check us out over on instagram at rising man podcast Big shout out to Sean Offenbach over at Infinite Melodics. That's at Infinite M-E-L-O-D-I-X on Instagram. Turning out these episodes each and every week, making them sound so good. Sean, appreciate the work you're doing, brother. And my Rising Man power team, Julian, Mark, Rowan. Man, I don't know what I would do without you guys. Thank you guys so much for what you're doing behind the scenes. Making this movement move. Truly making this movement move. And for the rest of my Rising Man family out there, until next time. Rise up and claim your destiny.